I'm Elise Hugh. And I'm Josh Klein. And we're the hosts of Built for Change, a podcast from Accenture. On Built for Change, we're talking to business leaders from every corner of the world that are harnessing change to reinvent the future of their business. We're discussing ideas like the importance of ethical AI or how productivity soars when companies truly listen to what their employees value. These are insights that leaders need to know to stay ahead. So subscribe to Built for Change wherever you get your podcasts. Hosted on dimlywit.com. I'm Alex. And I'm Tina. And this is Obsessed with the Best. We're two New York City gals who are bringing you the best of the best of all things beauty, wellness, and inspirational women. We've tried it all and can't wait to tell you what's worth obsessing over. Join us each week as we share our favorite products and trends and chat with leading female founders and experts. Welcome to Obsessed Obsessed with with the Best best with with Alex and and Tina. Hey everyone, it's Tina. Today I'm sitting down with the LA-based director of HR at Netflix, Ayana Bibb. Ayana and I met in the ensemble of a production of Hello Dolly at Otterbein College where we both studied musical theater. Ayana has always been the epitome of confidence and self-love and I've admired her work ethic and tenacity for over a decade. Today, we are going to chat about where she gets her inspiration, the challenges of being a woman in a high power position, and of course, what beauty products she's obsessing over at the moment. From an early start in theater to now working at one of the largest entertainment streaming companies, Ayana's course has been anything but linear. Let's get to it. Here's Ayana Bibb. Ayana, okay, so you have a BFA in musical theater. That's mm-hmm. how we met. Mm-hmm. And now you're working for one of the most well-known and powerful companies in the world, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay, how in the hell did you end up at Netflix? I know, it's a, it's a strange story. So I'll give you the background. I was home on a Sunday in May of 2019, and I had gotten a LinkedIn message about an opportunity at Netflix. And I got to tell you, when I first got that message, I was like, okay, this is spam. I worked in healthcare advertising and HR. I was like, how the heck does Netflix know about me? And so I got in conversations with them and it ended up, I interviewed starting the end of May. I got the offer. And the funny thing about it is, is I came to LA to interview. And then as I was flying back to New York, I had gotten off the plane at JFK And I had seen an email that was like, hey, can we connect? And I, in my mind, just knew they were going to be like, this was great. We appreciate your time, but we're not interested. So I'm on the, I'm literally right outside of JFK. I see all the flight attendants coming in and out. And I'm like, okay, I'm steadying myself. I'm breathing. I'm like, I can do this. And then they're like, we'd like to offer you the job. Oh my God. And I got that offer. It was sometime in June and I left New York end of July. And I was here in August. I remember that being a super quick turnaround and you switched coasts entirely. Switched coasts entirely. I left my dogs here with my ex and it was just me. They didn't come until October of the following year. So yeah, it was a whirlwind. I got to tell you, it's one of those moments in my life where I'm like, why me? Why me? Um, I never envisioned this um, um, for my life, but here I am, baby. Three years later on the West Coast. Well, speaking of why you, I what because you didn't pursue Netflix, right? This was not something that you applied for. You didn't reach out to them. They looked for you. So what do you think were the attributes that Netflix saw in you and said, we, we have to have her? I mean, in other words, like, what would you say are the qualities that you need to be the head of HR? 
Yeah, I, I, so I think one of the things is is that Netflix, um, um, at the time, they were the only entertainment company, streaming entertainment company in the world. And we were starting to get this budding competition with the HBO Maxes of the worlds, the Apples of the worlds. And so predominantly what Netflix had done is, is they had gotten people from the kind of technology backgrounds. Those are really the sectors, so entertainment, production, and technology. And I think you can only surface or source talent in that area for so long. And so I think they wanted to kind of have a, a, um, a, a larger net that they wanted to pull from. And I think there's a couple of things that I think helped to stand out for me. One is, is I just think that given my background of working with companies who scaled, given my background of working with companies and doing inclusion and diversity, I think that was really attractive to them. I think also it was just simply, I showed up as my authentic self. Like, here's who I am. Here's who I'm not. Here's how I show up. And I think that was really the selling point is they wanted somebody who not only had kind of deep understanding in HR, and about that time I had already been in HR about six years, um, but they also wanted somebody that could come from a different background and offer a different perspective. And that's exactly what I did. And so I think those kind of two things married um, perfectly uh, for this opportunity. But then there was so much I didn't have, right? I didn't have an entertainment background. And so a lot of... Uh, my early days at Netflix was such filled with imposter syndrome because they're talking about call sheets and productions mm -hmm. and I had no clue what they're talking about. And so um, um, there was still just, I think I had to learn about not only that role, but also so much I had to learn about myself. That's so fascinating. And like, you don't have a background in entertainment. You have a BFA in musical theater from I know, that is true. Otterbein College. True. Yes, I know. That so, is true. I mean, you can't, don't totally discount that. Um, okay, so you had worked in HR, you'd worked in HR, but not in the entertainment side of yep. HR. So Alex and I were, we were talking, um, you know, while we were talking about having you on the show and we were like, you know, we're freelancers. So we, we don't mm. work with HR. We don't know what that's like to, to have an HR department, which that's unfortunate for us, but can you just <laughs> like kind of for our listeners and for me and Alex kind of talk through what's even involved in running an HR department. And especially for like, uh, for Netflix, for an entertainment company that's not your typical run-of-the-mill corporation um and what kind of situations are you dealing with yeah yeah so i think I'll, I'll first start off by saying what do people mostly think of when they think of hr right so they mostly think of this is where i go to learn about my benefits this is where i go to learn about payroll i only knock on their door when there's a serious issue that i have to work through like those are the only real things that i'm going to deal with hr on and if hr shows up in the room i gotta hold my breath right and so that's a lot of what i think people perceive hr to be in my role of HR, and I think that, you know, kind of the role here at Netflix, it's really about meeting people where they are. And we talk about, we really want people to show up um, with a reflection of themselves. And so I really want to create an avenue and a culture where people can come up as their authentic selves. And we're creating an ecosystem that allows for that, right? And so a lot of what I do is everything from kind of supporting our inclusion and diversity uh, tactics, everything between culture, but not only kind of keeping the culture, the status quo, but also how do we evolve the culture, right? And so when Netflix was first founded, it was founded in Silicon Valley, smaller, it was tech, right? We're now a global company, right? And so things like how we think about feedback, things like how we think about um, um, how people should show up in our culture, it has to look different. It has to evolve. And I think the culture should be a living um, and breathing an ever-changing part of what you do. I also do everything that, you know, we have an organization that wants to grow. How do we think about scaling that? What's the talent that's going to be required for that? Are people in the right roles doing the right things? Um, everything kind of in between, 
But also I would say is that I am um, what I call the third eye of the company, right? And so what I mean is, is that I'm going to be a reflection of who we are, but I'm also going to be a reflection of who we're not. And those things that we are not, I want to make sure that I'm helping to kind of shine a light on, beat the drum on, but also like, let's not pat our back, right? Let's not say that we've got inclusion figured out. Let's not say that we've got recruiting figured out. I don't think any company does. And so what I'm always kind of mindful of is, just because that's not where we are doesn't mean that that's not who we can become. And so let's not rest on our laurels. Let's always be in this irritative nature. Let's bring in the best. Let's bring in this really true and different talent um, and let them breathe. We hire them to do really great work. Let them do really, really great work and create an environment that allows that. Allows I for that. love that. And I had no idea that it was such a broad, that you had such a broad um space that you were working with you know I kind of always assumed that with these shows it was like okay each show had its own situation but you're overlooking the entire thing what are we representing what are we having on our platform what are we putting out there and that's a big job <laughs> it is big a big job. job and one that I some days have to take a deep breath and go okay all right I yeah. have to take this on and how do I still be mindful to show up as Ayana, right? I am yes. Ayana who happens to work in HR. And that is, I think, the thing throughout my entire career I have wrestled with is how do I do my job as authentically as I possibly can? How do I put my oxygen mask on first yes. before I go and help other people? And I got to tell you, I don't think I have found the perfect solution for that just yet. Um, but I, I really, really try and find the kind of the balance of supporting the business, supporting the needs of the business, and then also recognizing mm -hmm. I can't solve everything. Um, mm -hmm. and I, 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 I have brilliant people around me who can solve and fill in the cracks and the gaps of the things that I just don't know, can't do, or won't do in some cases. Which is kind of nice to, you know, I think that's a sign of a really good leader is when they say, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. And I've got other people that fill in the cracks. And, and I think that's what makes you such a great leader in your field. Thank you. Well, thank um, you. Yes. I want to go back to kind of what you were talking about with your work with diversity in the workplace mm. and creating that um, a diverse culture. And I'm curious, what are some of the things that you do to support and champion diversity in your workplace? And what are some things that we can all do mm. in our work environments? Yeah. And so, I, you know, I will be honest in that um, we have an inclusion and diversity team that I tap into. So they are the really subject matter experts. And so what I do is I kind of go to the well, take all the resources I need, and then kind of take that back to my groups. And so I think some of the things that we think about is everything from hiring, right? And so mm -hmm. it's one of those things where we bring in this brilliant talent, but then we have them kind of go through the kind of cookie cutter meal of who we are. And how do we create a space for them to be able to show up as authentically as themselves? So I think that's one. What are our hiring practices? How do we think about, we call it additive hiring? It's not about diverse hiring. And I think that's a misconception that a lot of people have is that when we're looking at hiring people, we want to just find a diverse skill set. Yeah, that's one part of it, right? But if you don't think about how are you adding to what you maybe don't already have. So a perfect example is, is that do you have an overrepresentation somewhere? So maybe right now in your current team, you have an overrepresentation of male, you have an overrepresentation of you know native English speakers. And so what we do is we dissect where's the overrepresentation and where's the, the least amount of representation. That's where we need to focus our efforts in the hiring front and really being able to beef that part up. So I think that's one of them. I think even on our onboarding, right? Um, you will hear a lot of people say in any company that they're in that there's an imposter syndrome. We hire you because you're the best and then we kind of sit 
you in there and we slap a culture memo in front of you and a booklet in front of you, a handbook uh, in front of you. And we go, all right, now it's time for you to assimilate. And so how do we break those maybe biases that are either conscious or unconscious and as part of our culture, as a part of kind of how we show up um, as an organization? And I think the second question that you asked, I think, was around what can we all do, right? Um, I think the first thing is, is that it starts with having a clear understanding that you are perfectly imperfect and that there is no one in this earth walking like you show up as that. There is no Ayana walking around the earth. There's no other Tina walking around the earth. You bring a unique value to the world, to the space that you inhabit, show up that way. So I think that's one. The other one I would say is really around a curiosity. And so what I mean by that is, is that I, as an African-American woman, when I was thinking about inclusion, you know, I know what it's like to feel marginalized. I know what it's like to feel other. And so in some ways I was kind of like, I'm going to coast. I'm going to let all you other people mm -hmm. get caught up. And then when I was starting to get asked the question around disability and ableist language and the experience of our trans colleagues, I realized I don't know a lot. And so I had to get curious. I had to get comfortable what I call in the oopsie moments where I'm inevitably going to make a mistake. I had to feel comfortable in that, but also I had to continue to lean in, not right, not shy away. And then I think the other one is, is just give grace, give grace. You just don't know everything. You can't know a million things about a million things. And so give grace to the fact that you probably will mess up on someone's pronouns. Give grace to the fact that you won't have thought about that. Maybe I should send that document ahead of time for everyone that may be more visual learners or maybe learn more after the fact, like give grace to the fact that you are evolving and that you will make mistakes. Um, but you have the ability to say, oops, and change mm -hmm. it the next go around. So I think those are the three things that I would say everyone can God, do. That is a great answer. Perfectly imperfect. I mean, perfectly that, imperfect. you're so right in standing in your ground and being truthful to yourself and also leaning in. You know, I think this is a 100%. really big time in our world to really lean in. And I, I wish that, like, I wish Broadway had an HR department because mm, they don't? I think, well, I, I feel like Broadway just like as a corporate, like Broadway. Got it. In very general, because what you were saying about, you know, it kind of starts at the top, you know, it's, it's the onboarding, who are the leaders that we're bringing in, you know, not just, not just having shows on Netflix that show a diverse cast. Let's have who's, who's hiring, who's casting, who's directing, who's writing. Um, and I'm, I love to hear that that is something that Netflix and you are conscious of. And I wish that could translate over into yeah, yeah. I wish we could translate arenas, in a know? lot of places. And I would also say, listen, let me not pat us on the back. There are definitely things that we could do better. And I think we have a recognition of that, right? We are nowhere near the finish line of this. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, you know, my IND partner will always tell me you will never be done. So if the purpose of you kind of getting into this work is that you will see a completion, tap out now. It will mm -hmm. never be done, right? It will always evolve. It will always require you to ask tough questions be called to the carpet. But I think that's the beauty of the work. That's the beauty of the world that we live in. Um, and so I'm just excited about continuing. I'm excited about continuing to learn um, um, and see kind of what happens in this kind of next iteration of corporate life, of the world, and just um, um, what's possible. I think there's so much that we don't even kind of recognize as possible. And I, I think the next two to five years is really gonna be transformational. Uh, and, and kind of in the corporate world. So guys, Tina and I love therapy. We have weekly FaceTime, 
therapy sessions, and it's what gives us the tools to help us through all the things that come up in life, relationship, career issues, self-esteem building, learning boundaries, you name it. So BetterHelp offers easy, accessible, and affordable affordable virtual therapy options. So first of all, finding a therapist can be really daunting. And with BetterHelp, you don't have to do any of the research because they will do that work for you and they'll match you with a therapist in under 48 hours. Second, it's incredibly convenient because you don't even have to leave your home. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat sessions. It's honestly always a good time to invest in yourself and invest in your mental health. So Give BetterHelp a try and see for yourself why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp. We have a special offer just for our obsessed listeners. So for 10% off your first month of professional virtual therapy, just go to BetterHelp.com and enter code OBSESSED at checkout. That is BetterHelp.com with code Obsessed at checkout for 10% off your first month of virtual therapy. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. And thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pete's. Few things start your day better than a good coffee. That's why Pete's hand roast their coffee from a specific selection of high quality beans. And they don't just put those beans into anyone's hands. Pete's trains their roasters for 10,000 hours so they can master the roast that gives you the most. Pete's Coffee. Coffee for coffee people. Find Pete's online or at your local retailer. We are supported by Ombre Lab. Are you struggling with bloating, moodiness, constipation, weight gain, or acne, and you just can't figure out why? Well, the answer could literally be in your gut. Your gut contains trillions of bacteria, both good and bad, And when your body doesn't have enough good bacteria, the bad bacteria flourishes. And when this happens, it can cause all kinds of symptoms. Ombre Lab makes it really easy to check on your gut health by offering an at-home test that can measure your bacteria levels. The test will ship right to your door with easy-to-follow instructions. And then when you get your results, they'll give you a detailed breakdown of your gut bacteria, let you know what foods to eat more or less of, plus send you personalized probiotics to heal your gut with a subscription. I did this at-home test. It could not have been easier. So if you want to start feeling better, visit ombrelab.com and enter code OBSESSED at checkout for $30 off your first at-home test. That's ombrelab.com with code OBSESSED at checkout for $30 off your first test. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. Thank you to Ombre Lab for sponsoring this podcast. I don't know if you're a follower or listener of of Glennon Doyle, um, but she talks about being a seeker and she likes to be a seeker. And you remind me of a seeker. And and she said, you know, if you ever feel like you found the answer, you found, you figured it out, you're no longer seeking. That's not it. You're in the wrong place. You're in a cult. You're like, you know. Stop what you're doing and get out. Cause I think you're right. Everything's constantly evolving. We're constantly learning. And I think, again, what makes you so, what I've loved about you for years, I said this in the introduction, you've always been to me the epitome of confidence mm. and self love. I've always looked at you mm. and said, God, she takes care of herself and every, from inside out, you are, you take care of yourself. And, and you are one of the most generous kind, loving, giving people that I know as well. And I think it goes back to what you said about putting your, 
you know, oxygen mask on first. But I, I'm curious because how, where did you get this, this base, this confidence, this knowing to love yourself and to, and to stay with that? Because I think it's, especially as women, we're told be small, be small, be small. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, you know, I felt like I had to coast. Where did you get this bravery and this courage to, to be yeah. this, woman, this woman? It's always so interesting when, when you kind of people describe you that way and you kind of go, oh, am I really? Well, Emma, I think, you know, I, I, I hearken back to, I was reading something from this woman named Ashley Seaford. And she said to love yourself as a weapon, a beacon and a scar. Mm. And so I think that a lot of, where I am today comes from just a battle for just really having my right to stand in rooms and places and spaces that one, I didn't think I deserved to be in. Others didn't think I deserved to be in. And so this confidence, I think, is really me nurturing and protecting the six-year-old Ayana who didn't feel that, who did not feel like she was confident, she was brave. And so what I'm doing is I think I'm kind of advocating for her. Um, I'm giving her warmth and really cold places. And so I think that just shows up in just how I'm like, I lived that first part of my life in just like, I'm gonna be small, I'm gonna be quiet, I'm not gonna do the thing. And I'm like, damn it, this next part of my life, you're going to get it. You're going to get all of it, the big, the small, the ugly. And because I fought to get here, right? I fought to be able to have this level of bravery. And that is through therapy. That is through crying. That is through, you know, ups and downs and challenges. And so I think I sit on the shoulders of someone who just climbed a mountain and never gave up and went through a lot of trials and tribulations um, and just is determined to show up as her authentic self. I just work too hard to be anything else but. Um, and so I'm always going to stand on that. So I think that bravery comes from, I mean, I always say, if you look behind me right now, you would see a field of destruction of just, you know, every, because I have fought and I have, and now I'm yeah. here and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to stay here. This is kind of where I'm going to be. And so I think that is kind of where that confidence and on the other end of it, I think that gratitude and I think that generosity for me comes from the fact of I was not always in this place. Mm-hmm. And I remember there were people who big and small gave me something that just helped to catapult me to the next thing, catapult me to the next thing. And so I am a big believer in that, you know, no matter how high you go, you have a responsibility to send the elevator back down. And so I just want to make sure that I can constantly be that for other people because mm-hmm. that's that's the role. I don't think you're given this gift in life to just hoard it. Um, when I'm gone tomorrow, I can't take my dogs with me. I can't take this really lavish and delicious life that I'm creating for myself. But what I can leave behind is I think an imprint of love, gratitude, acceptance and space, fear, courage, all of that. And so that's what I kind of think about. That's, that's to me, my North star. God, that is so refreshing. So refreshing to hear you say all these things, you know, and to think back about you as a little girl, you know, that because I think if we all thought of ourselves as our inner child, we'd be so much nicer yeah. to ourselves. Um, but so refreshing because, you know, I think it, it, I would assume that it could be very easy, especially in a big company and a big corporate situation in LA. Um, it could be very easy to get sucked into, um, you know, some, a lot of negativity and a lot of, and get kind of swallowed up whole. Oh my God. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I, 
I am a black woman who is 5'9". I've got big boobs. I've got a big behind. I'm loud. I'm brash. Like there is no hiding for me when I walk mm -hmm. out of the door people notice me and I don't mean that in a way in kind of like self-aggrandizing myself but I really right. mean that in a way that there is there is no way to hide and so when I first came to LA I don't look like a lot of people here mm -hmm. I really don't I look different and I remember I had those moments where I was like should I be at Erewhon should I be at the Hope Food should I mm -hmm. be at the Pilates should I be doing all of these things because this is what everyone looks like and I, I'm never going to be a size six and all the size sixers out there listening, love that for you, but that is <laughs> never going to be my journey. And so I have, to, I have an option. I have an option to conform to misery or conform to acceptance. And I'm deciding that I am going to go on the side of acceptance and I belong to be, I, I deserve to be here. I belong. And, um, the more I can talk, right? The more that there's someone else can go, oh, I see myself, right? And I think part of where we struggle is we don't see ourselves reflected. There's no reflection of me, I feel like right now, um, at least in my surrounding area. And so it becomes tough. And that's why I think you have to go inward. I think that's where you have to create that community of people to remind you, you are whole, you are capable, mm -hmm. right? You mm -hmm. belong, that you are not an exception to some rule. Um, and that there are probably more people that look like you, then not. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's the thing I think I, I got to kind of keep reminding myself. I really like do. You're going to pioneer that for somebody out there that goes, Oh my God, Ayana looks like me. That's what I look like. That's what I sound like. And, and look how successful she is, you know? And I think so many people may, might look at you or just meet you for the first time and go, well, God, you know, she's got this great job. She's got a great home. She's these two wonderful dogs. She's made it. She's so, so successful and not realizing what it took for you to get to where you are. A hundred percent. And you know what I will say to that? I do think that it is a crime to get to the top and never show your journey. I do think that is a crime. I really just don't think we talk enough about all of the bruises, the highs and the lows. And so I'm open about it. One, because it gives me just a sense of freedom. Shame keeps me hidden. And I'm really trying to um, release myself of the burden of shame. And so I try to be much more open about it. I talk very openly about therapy. I talk very openly kind of about some of the childhood things that I've gone through, some of the things that I go through currently. And so I just think that the more that we can be open, right? And I'm not asking you to go to the Times Square and tell everybody kind of all of your traumas. But I think the more we can talk about our journeys, the more it allows people to say, oh, okay, so what I'm going through is normal. It normalizes the experience of getting there. And so I, I am just a big proponent of that. I hope and I wish that we can do more of that sharing the journey that it took to get there. And that's what Alex and I are all about on this podcast. We love therapy. Love we talk about it all the time. And I think, you know, talking about it releases that stigma, you know, of whatever it is that you might have experienced. And someone out there has experienced something the same. So on that note, you know, you are now looking at you, a successful woman at the top of her field. What were some of the things, what were some of the disparities that you saw? What were some of the prejudices you faced um, getting to where you are today? What were some of your biggest challenges? Yeah, I think the biggest challenges were, you know, I think one of them, it was like, well, why are you here, right? What do you have to offer? Almost kind of this exchange. What do you have to offer? Not simply for the fact that I breathe, mm -hmm. right? And that I take up space, right? And so I think that was one of them. I think the other thing was around, I, for so long, maneuvered my life based off of what I thought people 
wanted to see from a Black woman in the industry. I played the role and played it really well, right? I showed up when I was supposed to. I was seen and not heard when I was supposed to. Like, I played the dance. And in some part, being in theater allowed me to kind of, you know, melt in and out of that. But I never was really sure of who I was. And so I was just like, well, if that's what you want me to be, okay, if that gets me that next promotion, if that gets me that next thing. And then I went home and I sat down and I was like, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from wearing the mask, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of it. I think the other thing is, is that, you know, people assume that a girl who graduated, a girl who was born and raised out of Detroit, We'll talk a certain way. We'll sound a certain way. And because I don't, it's like, well, who are you? Mm -hmm. And who are you trying to be? And so I think for me, the biggest prejudice is that every room that I walked in, I was a blank canvas that people took their brushes to. That was the biggest thing. I could never just show up as a complete portrait. I was always in some way being painted over by this perception of what people wanted, what I thought I needed to be. And I accepted that. I took on that role. And um, I had a conversation recently with my therapist and I had to be honest. I was like, I don't know myself. Mm. I don't know who I am. And I don't mean that as a, oh, poor me. Like, I just don't know. Because when you strip away years and layers of performance, right? Mm -hmm. And you ask yourself, what do you value? The first five things that I would name off would probably be about my job. I value that I'm loyal. I value that I have it, right? So like, I don't know what does Ayana, the black woman who kind of is living in 2022, who does she value? Like, what is she? Um, who is she? And so I think that for me, my next journey is really being able to carve out like, who am I? And getting reintroduced to who I am. I'm dating myself, I would say right now. Oh. I'm having a love affair with myself at, the, at this present moment. And so- I think those are the things, just having to show up um, as a square when really you really were a circle, right? And just trying to maneuver and mesh into what you thought people wanted you to be. And when you did that, right, when you do show up that way, people high-fiving you. And so it just perpetuates then the cycle of showing up that way. And, um, you know, again, yeah. 10, 15 years later, I'm recognizing I'm at the crossroad. I can continue to do that or I could kind of go to that that part of me I don't know. And that's scary. And I am in a, a pretty scary part of my life. And that may, again, sound, you know, like, you know, like a scary thing or like a big dooms thing. But I I, I don't know with this next part of my life once I've scraped um, uh, and washed away all of those other things that I've put on. I don't know what that will look like, but I'm also excited about it. I'm excited yeah. to see who I am on the other side of this. So yes, the curiosity, the curiosity, again, curiosity. Yep. Which yep. opens you up for so many opportunities. That's so beautiful. What, what kind of advice would you give to a younger person that might be feeling, I guess I was to say, what, what kind of advice would you give to your younger self? If you mm. could go back and do that. Mm-hmm. Everything that you're experiencing is natural. Um, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. You got it in you. You got it in you, kid. Um, your gut instinct is right. Trust that gut. And it is not a virtue in a lot of instances to be self-sufficient. You need people. You mm -hmm. need community. Seek them out. Find a safe space. Um, Get counsel from people that you trust. That would be my thing 
Um, it's not always, I think, the best thing to just go it alone. Um, I wish I had done more of that when I was younger, more of like, ooh, this doesn't feel right. I need support. I need help. I don't know what to do. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I said I don't know more mm. openly and honestly. That is, I think, um, the advice that I give. Say I don't know more openly and honestly. I think that is such great advice. You know, I think often, especially as women, you know, asking for help or saying, I don't know, is a sign of weakness, mm -hmm. you know, in our culture. But it's really, I mean, when someone tells me, I, I don't know, I'm like, oh, love that. I love that. I would rather, instead of making something up and acting like, you know, you know, my mom always says, don't piss on my boots and tell me it's raining. Mm. Oh, mama, I like that. <laughs> So as you probably know, two of my biggest passions are clean beauty and supporting female-founded brands, which is why when it comes to makeup and skincare, Beauty Counter has been one of my favorite go-to brands for years. Their makeup looks incredible and their skincare really and truly works. Plus, they use non-toxic ingredients and are environmental working group certified. The two beauty products I absolutely can't live without are their vitamin C serum and the Dew Skin Tinted Moisturizer. I use both of these products every single day and I never travel without them. We don't have to be putting toxic chemicals all over our skin anymore because there is a better option. So, if you'd like to shop some clean beauty with Obsessed with the Best, go to beautycounter.com slash obsessed and then enter code CLEANFORALL20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. That's beautycounter.com slash obsessed and code CLEANFORALL20 at checkout. Or just scroll down to the show notes for this episode for more details. I'm Elise Hugh. And I'm Josh Klein. And we're the hosts of Built for Change, a podcast from Accenture. On Built for Change, we're talking to business leaders from every corner of the world that are harnessing change to reinvent the future of their business. We're discussing ideas like the importance of ethical AI or how productivity soars when companies truly listen to what their employees value. These are insights that leaders need to know to stay ahead. So subscribe to Built for Change wherever you get your podcasts. So we've recently learned just how many toxic ingredients are in our nail polish, but I love doing my nails. I'm sure you love doing your nails, which is why we love K Ferrara Color because it's a luxurious nail polish and hand cream line that uses all clean formulas. You know I love that hand cream. I'm obsessed with it. After I've had a long day of sanitizing my hands and working with makeup and doing all that, my hands are so dry and I love the hand cream treatment, it is a lifesaver for dry, cracked hands. k for our Color offers gorgeous colors, plus base coat, top coat, and quick dry options, which I've used so many times when I've got to get out the door. The other thing I love is k for our Color has a children's line, which has been a gift for my nieces many, many times. So if you are a person that just loves to get your nails done at the salon, you can bring it with you. You can bring your K Ferrara color with you to the salon. And if you're a person that likes to get a gel mani, you can use K Ferrara color on your pedicure or it really makes an amazing gift for anyone in your life of literally any age who appreciates clean beauty and clean formulas. For 15% off your order, go to kferraracolor.com and use code OBSESSED15 at checkout. That's kferraracolor.com with code OBSESSED, the number 15, at checkout for 15% off your nail polish or hand cream. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. 
Okay, so back to we gotta go back to Netflix. I'm we're dying to know all of our listeners. Is it as glamorous as it might sound? You moved to LA, you're working for Netflix. Do you get what are the perks? What are the yeah, yeah, it, about your job? It's it's a glamorous job. It's a fun job. That's what I would say, right? And so okay. we do have some fun things that we get to do. I won't go into all of it. Right. Um, um, but we do have things like, you know, uh, we have the ability to, uh, I think the, the food, I will say one of them, we have amazing food. Yes. Every floor is a snack bar. <gasps> um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, sometimes you'll go into the lobby and you'll see a celebrity and you're like, oh, okay, that was fun. That's cool. Um, and so I, I think that, that is the biggest thing. And I think more so than anything, sometimes I just have to pinch myself. I work at Netflix. Yeah. Oh my God. I work at yeah. Netflix. And so for me, that's just the biggest perk where I get to go. I work at Netflix. I get to do really great work. And I do do it. Like you said, at the earlier part of this with really a leader in the industry. So I would say that, that to me is like, that's, that's my biggest perk. Oh, that is like everyone's dream. I think to love your job, you know, <laughs> to love where you work. Um, okay. So born and raised in Detroit, went to school in Ohio, lived in New York forever, but now you're on the opposite coast. You're in California. How? Cause you've always been so beautiful. You have the best hair. You've got the best skin. You are just well, always you. taking great care of yourself. How has your beauty routine changed since moving to LA? Oh my goodness. That is such a good question. So first off, sorry, New York. I do think that the day spas in LA are much better. Probably. Um, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I get a facial every month. Um, and so I love that. So I think that's part of it. I think just the ever glow of the sun also helps, mm. right? I kind of feel like I always have this kind of misty glow. What I will also say is, is that the water here is not as great as in New York. And so I have found that my hair is not loving as much of the Interesting. LA. It's so dry. So my hair doesn't necessarily love. So I've got to do a lot more maintenance to keep my mm -hmm. natural blonde. Oh, it looks so good. Blonding. Your natural blonde. <laughs> I am dead. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's that. And I don't think I even really in New York, I'll be honest. I don't really know if I really cared as much about skincare. And I did come to LA and I fell into that trap quickly because yeah. they love Love their, they love their Korean products. They love their day spa. They love putting that damn sea moss on their damn faces, <laughs> that goat cheese. I'm like, could you, could you knock it off, please? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a thing. And so the world is your oyster when it comes to beauty. I get a massage every month. That's my self-care as well. And so I think my self-care really took a boost when I came to LA, um, more so than in New York. Cause it's, I mean, you could literally find any and everything here. Oh, I love that. Can you walk us through your morning skincare and hair care routine. Yes. And so, all right. So skincare, I start the morning with this, um, it's called first aid and I forget what the oh, yeah. it's first. Yeah. So I start my face washes first aid. I use peach and Lily, which is this Korean based, um, uh, skincare line and it's called the pore cleanser and it comes in this blue bottle. So I use that as my toner, mm -hmm. um, at Carousel here in LA, they have this cold, uh, this cold, uh, fusion, uh, cold cream fusion. That's what it is. And so I put it in my fridge, it's cold. Yes. And then I lather it up on my face. And sometimes I'll take the little, mm -hmm. I don't even know what they call the it, but like I like the roller. Yeah. The roller. I zhuzh yeah. it in the, for mm. the added effect. Um, and that is it. I don't wear makeup. Uh, that's kind of left. So that's literally God. all that I do to my skin. Um, so I've been lucky in that regard. And then my hair care, Ooh, that's a longer journey. So <laughs> 
Um, I wash my hair every Sunday. It's a ritual. It takes me about two hours. And it really starts with the detangling process because I have curly hair mm -hmm. and I lose moisture. So I start with mo uh, moisturizing. I use As I Am, which is a, um, I think it's a black owned company. Love. Uh, and they do this co-wash. So I co-wash my hair, I deep condition it, and then I sit under a hair steamer. And so I <gasps> steam my hair for 15 minutes to put all of the juices mm -hmm. and everything into my scalp. Then after that, all I really do is I wash it out. Um, I then use this kind of leave-in conditioner. I then set it with this kind of styling gel, eco styling gel for all the black okay. ladies out there. Y'all know what that is. It gets mm -hmm, the hair looking mm -hmm. all defined. I do that. And so at night, all I do is take my hair, put it in two pigtails back here, put it in another pigtail to keep the bang. I put a headscarf on. I wake up in the morning. I take that off. I take the two things off here, take this off here, I zhuzh, and I go. Wait, and those curls survive pigtails? Those curls survive pigtails. Okay, so for the people that can't see the video of this and are just listening, what, can you describe what is what curl do you have? So, uh, listen, I don't know if it's a 4C. It's not a 4C. Maybe a 4C, but it's kind of, it's, it's a looser curl pattern that I have, but it's all different. So further in the back of my hair, it's a tighter curl. It's more of a coil, I would say. Mm -hmm. But now that I've bleached it um, and I've color, it's definitely loosened out the curl pattern. But it's just this looser, it's not beachy wavy, but it's this 4C, I would say. Yeah. Don't call me out if it's not 4C. <laughs> Natural hair community. Sorry, girls. <laughs> and guys. Um, um, but that is pretty much the, and I don't have to do much to it. Just Ugh. it's like this. I'm upset. Well, and the blonde really suits you. I think the blonde is my signature. I don't think it I'm going is. back. I, I don't think I'm here. with the red lip and the blonde, it's like, it's everything. It's a chef's kiss. So it is a chef's kiss. Um, what is your, so walk me through your evening skincare routine and hair care. Yeah. So same thing. I don't really shift it. The only thing is that sometimes at night I will use a Sunday Riley. They have Luna. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I will use their Luna overnight. I also have this exfoliant. And so I put that on over at night and it's just a mask. I sleep with it and in the morning. I take it off and I forget what the brand name is. It's all on the Carousel website. Um, it's yeah. their kind of their signature brand. And so I wash my face. Um, I do my toner as well. And then I will top it off with kind of like either my exfoliant or I'll mm -hmm. top it off with cold, uh, the cold fusion again, the cold cream fusion. And then I sleep. And that's oh. the end. My biggest thing is, listen, I need five steps or less. If it's 10 <laughs> steps, I got to roll. I got to do 10 jumping jacks. Yeah. Yes. I then got to do a cartwheel. It ain't yeah. for me. I just want to roll into the bed. So I do five steps or less. That's my biggest thing. I can totally relate to that. I'm like, if I, like my least favorite part of any day is washing my face. And I'm like, I have to do it every day, but I'm just like, this is, I, I dread it. I, as soon as I get home, it's like, let me just be done with this. And it's like, it needs to be the quickest, most efficient, you know? So it has to be I love a lot that. going on. Like we got to wear that damn mask. We've got to do it. Like I, my life is chaotic enough. I just exactly. can't bring that chaos into my own routine. We can't bring that in. Exactly. Are you guys still wearing masks um, in the office? So we are. So some people are. Yours okay. truly is as well. Mm -hmm. I'm on that train still. I think, you know, flu is All going right. around yep. right now. So yeah. I am still wearing my mask. Um, and I think particularly because I, I, I want to be thoughtful of others, but also yeah. I don't have family here. Uh, a tiny community of friends. So if I get sick, you know, and down yeah. goes Frazier, it, it, it ain't pretty. So <laughs> I can't knock on someone's door. Like, can you bring me some chicken noodle soup? No, exactly. I am. 
I am you, all of it. You are all of the things. Well, yeah, I hear that. I totally hear that. And you're in a business where you are are with people and talking yep. to people. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I still wear my mask at work. I'm make you know doing makeup for people. I'm up in their faces. You're in their business, right? And I'm like, actually, I, I it's kind of nice because like if I have coffee breath or you've got coffee breath, like it's all taken care of. It's all. And I have to tell you, I'm kind of. I know not everyone feels this way. I kind of appreciated the mask. It kind of, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get rid of it entirely. Right. So I will still Same. go into the local target. I'll still throw on the mask when I'm outside. I don't have it on. So I think I'll probably be one of those that will ride the wave mask for just a little longer. Oh, me too. Me too. For sure. Um, okay. So we're going to do a few um, just rapid fire questions that we like to do at the end with our guests. Nice. Um, all right. Number one, what's the beauty product you swear by? I'm going to go back to my cold cream fusion from Carousel. Uh, that thing lathers on. It gives me such a glow. So that if I had to be on a deserted island, I want that. I I want that. I'm going to look it up as soon as we get off this call. I'm, <laughs> I need that. Um, okay. Best thing that you're reading or you're watching right now? I'm in succession right now. I'm behind Ooh. the eight ball. So I'm on season three. And so I got, I came to the party late, but I love that show. Um, it is wild, but it's also nice to see rich white people problems. It's, <laughs> it's, that's kind of like my genre, rich white people yes, problems. Yes. It's my favorite genre of entertainment. <laughs> it's such a great genre. It's yes. like, did, you, did you watch um, White Lotus? No, but listen, I, I, everyone's talking about, so I'm like, either I got to watch it quickly yeah. Because everyone's like blowing yeah. up about this damn finale. If you love white rich people problems, you're gonna love White Lotus. It's so good. I it's need so to good. On that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, what is the best advice you've ever received? So someone had recommended to me because I was having this moment in my life where I was contemplating, like, why do I feel like my life is never figured out? Why does everyone seem like they have their lives figured out and I don't? I ended up reading a, they recommended to me to read this book by Wendell Berry um, and it's called Our Real Work. And in it, um, um, what he says is that a mind that is not baffled is not employed. And so I just, it's not even someone gave me that advice, but I feel like I read that and I was like, yes, okay, it all starts to make sense. Um, and that um, I think the other thing is, is that my therapist said to me, you know, I was in the process of dating and I was trying to kind of figure out what dating and I was trying to figure out my work life and all of this. And, you know, and I was saying, you know, they're not the right person, but they're kind of cool and, or mm -hmm. that may not be the right job, but they're kind of, and um, she asked me, what's the biggest fear that you have about it? And I just was, was like, the biggest fear, I think it's just starting over every time, having to start over every time. And what she said to me was, it was such valuable advice was, you need to make your starting point so good. You need to make it so safe. You need to make it so beautiful that you never fear going back to it. And I was like, oh, damn it. You're right. Like I need to make that part so enjoyable, right? That I just, nothing or anyone will ever prevent me from being like, this doesn't work. And I'm going to go back to that really joyous part. So I think those are the two biggest advices oh, that I've gotten. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear as a single gal bopping around this town. <laughs> I needed. Yes. Oh, I needed to hear that. Yeah. Make your yeah. starting point the best. Ooh, I love that. I like, cause I, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. Who is a woman who is inspiring you this week? I think it would be me. I think it would be me. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love it. I think me, I, um, I, 
a, you know, I just, I had an opportunity to just look back on kind of everything that I've accomplished, all of my failings, all of my learnings. And I sometimes just get really impressed and like, damn it, girl, you always got up. You always got up. And so um, I think that's the person that's inspired me the most this week is myself. Well, you're falling madly in love with yourself, dating yourself. Yeah. I yeah. am so proud of you. I'm so proud to know you. Oh, um, I just, I am so thrilled that we are starting off the new year with you as our guest and that people can listen to this. And I mean, I, I'm inspired by you. I can, I don't blame you for being inspired by yourself. I think everyone that listens is going to be inspired by you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Can I say one last thing to your listening please, audience? Please. My parting words. It just came into my heart. And I just want to share that there's so much happening in the world. There's so much happening in our lives. Um, and I think that we all have a tendency to want to do more. I think we all have a tendency to want to take on more. And maybe the last thing that I will say is, is that in the next year, next six months, in the next day, let us all just be brave enough to do less. Let us all to just be brave enough to do less. And that's going to be my mantra. And I invite everyone else listening to make that their mantra as well. I swear you are, you and I are on some kind of wavelength. You're telling me all of these things that I have been thinking and I've been needing to hear. Yeah. Let's do less forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And on that note, thank you, Ayana. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more content, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a follow at Obsessed with the Best Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Hosted on dimlywit.com.